your holy name. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Jesus. So worthy of our praise. Sing this with me, joyful, joyful. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory.
children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then. You answered prayers. No, oh, now you are the same God. Father God, the faithfulness of our God, the faithfulness of our God from generation to generation, hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, heavenly Father. Faithful, faithful, faithful. I was at my dad's house last night and I opened his Bible and when I was looking through his Bible, a Bible that is well used, a Bible that is well read and taped together like every good man's Bible should be with duct tape. But on the inside cover, I found notes. Now, I, I don't know if it's my mom's handwriting or my dad's, but it speaks to the faithfulness of God. And it says this, January 6th, 1986, Foothill Family First Church Service. January 5th, 1997, Foothill Family first service in our new building. April 23rd, 2000, Easter, first service in this gymnasium. That's the faithfulness of our God, amen? Aren't you grateful that every single step of the way God has seen us through? That every single step of the way that God has been by your side the times that you didn't recognize it, the times that you didn't want him there, guess who was there? Your heavenly father. He's seen you through, he's seen this church through, he's seen your pastors through. Aren't you grateful for the faithfulness of God? Would you lift your hands and thank him this morning? Father, we praise you. How grateful we are that you are always with us, always by our side and you are ever faithful. That your love endures, that your mercy endures, that your grace endures. That your protection hand on us always endures. How could we not but praise you? How could we not but worship? The fact that we are standing in this building is a testament to your faithfulness, God. So how could we not but worship? How could we not but praise? The same God that was alive in the times of the Bible, the same God that created the universe is alive and well today in this place, in our lives, and in the hearts of this church. So Father, we give you all of the praise and all of the glory. We don't take your faithfulness for granted, God. For there's much to accomplish still. Praise you, Heavenly Father. For you are faithful. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Let us never forget where we've come from. The trials that he's walked us through, the times that he's pulled us out when it seemed that there was no way, let us never forget. He's the same God. The same God, amen. Well, family, we love you. We are so glad you're here today. Would you shake hands with somebody? Love on somebody in the row next to you. Praise you, Lord. sure to dismiss the youth group if you guys want to head to the game room for your service today. Um, if there's any kids that are in here as well, I think we caught most of them at the door, but kids is going on in the other room as well. Aren't you glad to be here today? God is so good. What else do you need to know? God is so good. Look back at your life, the times that, that, that you know he's been there for you. Sometimes we, we tend to forget those things. Right When times get tough, we tend to forget the times that he's seen us through. But if you just look back, look at those times that he walked hand in hand with you. How could you not but smile? How could you not but worship? How could you not be excited for what he's got going on down the road? Amen. I want to make sure we welcome you guys to church this morning, all the online visitors as well. For those of you here in the house, if you want to get connected more with small groups or with uh, prayer groups, whatever you have going on, if you someone we need to know about so we can pray for you and agree with you, we have a prayer team as well. There's those connect cards there in the seat backs in front of you. Feel free to fill those out. Uh, they get to us at the office staff, and we reach back out to you. You can drop those in the offering envelope, uh, or in the envelope, in the offering buckets as they come around this morning as well. Uh, a lot of big things going on. Is it? Is it crazy that it is almost Christmas time already? Is, there, is anybody ready? Yes, Zore's ready. I don't know how my parents did it because without Amazon, I would be hosed. I have no idea how you guys do it, but I can't believe it's almost Christmas time. We want to make you aware of a few awesome events coming up. Uh, next Sunday night, we have the orchestrated Christmas going on here with Leon Lacey. Uh, you guys, there's a lot of work going into this. Professional musicians have already been working on it. He's been composing and writing music for this. It's gonna be an amazing and a beautiful night uh, of music and glorifying our Heavenly Father just with voices uh, that God has given talented people these voices to come and share. So make sure to grab your tickets either online or at the information booth. It'll be a beautiful night together here. Uh, so come and be blessed by that. Invite a neighbor, grab some tickets. Uh, there's still some available as well. So I know we're good on that. A few other announcements I wanna make sure that you are aware of. Uh, we have our bookstore, our bookstore sale going on. There's all kinds of signs and stuff. Keep feeding on God's word, guys. The books that are back there, uh, Miss Beth has picked out, uh, and, and they go through. We don't just put junk back there just to try to make sales, I promise you that. But there's a, uh, the bookstore has a sale going on. Get back there, get extra stuff to help uh, fill uh, your time and fill your mind and fill your heart with the word of God. Amen? 
Uh, we also want to make sure that you're aware uh, on the bulletin, every Christmas uh, we give to a handful of orphanages. I know Terry Mize uh, does work all around the world, offerings to support orphans in Nepal and the Philippines. Uh, if you guys want to give towards that this morning, just mark orphans or Terry Mize or something on your offering envelope so that we can know to make sure to go to that. I think they support a total of 15 orphanages across three continents. So make sure to be planning to give towards that. I think the last thing I have for you this morning is to make sure uh, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. So we're going to have our Christmas uh, normal Sunday morning service on Christmas Eve. So be sure to be here with us for that. And then that night, we always have a special Christmas Eve candlelight service that will be at 5 p.m. that night as well. I think that's all I have for you this morning. Uh, gentlemen uh, are there in the aisles to help you if you need any uh, offering envelopes for your giving but let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are, the work that you're doing uh, throughout the world, through this church, through people we can partner with like Terry Mize. And God, we don't take that responsibility lightly. You said it's better to give than to receive, and we know because you first gave to us. So God, we trust you with every aspect of our lives, including our finances, so we give towards uh, your work, towards your ministry, to reach hearts all around the world. So take it, God, multiply it, use it, do what only you can do. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Once you've all had a chance to give, would you join us for this last song? Would you actually all join? This is a Christmas song. Let's sing this together. Heart the Herald.
Amen. Hallelujah. Let's make our confession. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes to Timothy, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I believe we're in the last days and the things that are going on around us are bringing us to the close of this generation. Verse 2, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now, if the Holy Spirit is directing Paul to communicate with Timothy, and of course Paul wouldn't have known that his letters would survive to our day, but the Holy Ghost did. And if the Holy Ghost is bringing to attention things that we should recognize as being signs of the end. Then why did he leave us a list that really is not unique to any generation? He starts off, men shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, find me a generation that men aren't the lovers of their own selves. Covetous, that's certainly nothing new. Now, it seems to me that the Holy Ghost, through the Apostle Paul, is endeavoring to bring us to the knowledge of how things are going to be at the end so that we could be prepared. He talks about perilous times. Perilous is really the word dangerous. One of the meanings of this word perilous is a root word that means strength reducing. Notice some things that are missing from the list. He doesn't talk about persecution. He doesn't talk about a deadly character or assault against the church. 
And he brings to the list a lot of things that even in our knowledge of history, church history and other ways where we look back at things brought against the church or the body of Christ. I hope you don't take this wrong, but it seems to be a seems to me to be a benign list. Not that these things are unimportant, but there's nothing in this list that we can put our finger on and know for certain that this generation is the one that sees Jesus return as compared to the previous generation. Now Paul writes to Timothy also in the first letter he sent to him in chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Folks, every generation has people that depart from the faith. And the reason that they part from the faith is that they give heed to seducing spirits that lead them away from the truth of God's word and doctrines of devils. This is, can be interpreted two ways. It can mean doctrines about devils or it can mean doctrines taught by devils. I'm inclined whenever I come in contact with one of these issues that can be translated in several ways, particularly this one, I think it means both. He goes further in verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now this has got some important and specific information for us. There's going to be an assault on marriage. There's going to be a commandment to abstain from meats. We see some of this going on in our present day. We hear complaints about eating meat. And we've seen some of the assault on marriage. And really, it's not just marriage, it's the nuclear family. 
We've seen homosexuality take the forefront in attempting to change marriage laws and marriage standing and so forth. So here's Paul bringing to Timothy who's the pastor of the church at Ephesus the most well-known and highly renowned church of Paul's generation. Now, Paul is directed by the Holy Spirit in both letters that he writes to Timothy to bring to, to pass or to bring to attention the condition of the church. It's not the world he's talking about. He's talking about the church in these things. We wouldn't expect the world to live without any of these sins because they don't know the Lord. They haven't had the new birth experience. They haven't been made new creatures in Christ Jesus. So Paul can't be talking about the world here. I mean, sinners sin. And a part of the ministry of reconciliation that Paul writes to us about, particularly in the book of Romans, the good news is Jesus has already paid the price for man's sin. So it wouldn't have any effect. It wouldn't bring any results, any positive results anyway, for Paul to talk to, to the world and tell the world to quit sinning because they don't have the capacity to. It's only the life of God on the inside of us that enables us to live without or above sin. So this is the Holy Spirit's work to tell the church what to expect before Jesus comes to set free his own from this bondage of physicality. Now, if we see that the last days are upon us, what are we supposed to do? What instruction is given to the church about how to live in these last days?
Well, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is the example that's given to us by Jesus, who is, who is the Son of God on the earth. The Word of God made flesh. And to overcome the temptation that he's faced with, he quotes or answers the temptation with the written word of God. Notice the temptation is, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now the devil is either questioning whether Jesus has the power to turn stones into bread, or he's challenging him through his actions to reveal himself as the son of God on the earth. Now we know from numerous experiences and events that took place in Jesus' ministry, Jesus did not emphasize the fact that he was the son of God on the earth hardly ever at all. But he placed a much greater emphasis and purpose on the fact that he was the son of man not the son of God he didn't deny being the son of God but that was not where he put the emphasis on his ministry verse 5 then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, notice the devil's stuck on this Son of God proof. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So Jesus answers temptation. By judging the word of God. He answers the devil. And answers the temptation. By saying it's also written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And in the third time. Again the devil took him up to an exceeding high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt walk, fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. In each instance, 
of temptation, Jesus answers by quoting the word. Now, folks, if the word of God is sufficient for Jesus to live above or without sin and to keep from failing in his earthly ministry, if the word of God served him to protect and keep him, why would we think the word of God would not be the, the means for us to defeat temptation in our lives? Now, I know it's a simple truth, but the reality is that the Word of God is the answer to overcome the devil no matter what he does and no matter what he brings to us. We know the devil's main work is deception. And when Jesus was asked by the disciples, when shall the end come? Jesus warned them against being deceived. He said, let no man deceive thee. So deception in and of itself would be one of the signs of the last days. In James chapter 1, verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There's going to be a lot of deception in, in the, as the end approaches. Because people will stop being doers of the word. And they will allow themselves to be deceived because of the devil's attack. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, this word glass is talking about a mirror. For behold, he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You may also remember with me in John chapter 8 about verse 31 
Jesus speaks to, to those who believe on him. He's been talking to the multitude. And it says that many of them, and the many that he's talking about, were the Jews, even some of the Jewish leaders who believed on his words. But Jesus answered and said, if you continue, he talked to, he spoke these things to those that believed on him. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples? So Jesus put a, a specific distinction between people that believed in him and disciples. And the difference between the two categories was doing the word. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the difference between somebody that's suspect or subject to departing from the faith and being a disciple as opposed to being a disciple is the attention that we give to the word. So in the last days of the church, there's some things that we need to keep in mind. First of all, there are those, maybe many, that will depart from the faith. But the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, not a beaten down church, not a deceived church. Not a church that's without strength, but rather a church that is doing the works of Jesus, operating in the power of God to bring liberty and blessing to, to many. With that being said, there are some things that we particularly need to apply ourselves to when it comes to the Word of God. We need to make sure in these last days we're doers of the Word of God where finances are concerned because this is an area that the devil is going to attack us. And so we need to be prepared for his attack and we need to have the money situation regarding God and the way that we use our money. We need to have that settled once and for all. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And he's commanded his disciples to lay up treasure in heaven. And the way you do that is to give. There's going to be temptation that faces each and every one of us that's going to try to change our 
It'll be the devil's attempt to try to change our position when it comes to money and our use of money in the last days. I want to recommend to you that you settle the issue of tithing before we go any further into the last days. Tithing provides to us a blessing of provision unlike anything else that we can know of. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now, saith the Lord, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive. Folks, there is no other scripture in the Bible that parallels God's promise to put him first or to honor him, as Proverbs says, with the first 10% of everything that we make. I want to recommend to you as well that you incorporate the knowledge that's spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 which says it's God that gives us the power to get wealth. Now the Bible doesn't say God gives us the power to get wealth as long as the economy is good. It doesn't declare to us that God will pour out a blessing upon us that there's not room enough to receive unless there's inflation. These are things that we need to adhere to Because God wants to take care of us. God wants to bless you. No matter what the circumstances are. In our country. No matter what's going on around us. He wants to bring us. To the place of abundance. Even in tough financial times. Another thing that we need to be sure of and conduct ourselves with with special care and that is to walk in love. Jesus said in John chapter 13 verse 34 a new commandment I give unto you A new commandment that takes the place of the Ten Commandments. 
And that commandment is to love one another. Now the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit at the new birth. So if we're going to be a glorious church, if we're going to grow up into being who God wants us to be and who Jesus paid the price for with his precious blood, then we're going to have to be doers and keepers of the new commandment of love. Now there's going to be a lot of opportunities in these last days to step outside of love. It's not going to be easier to walk in love in the last days. It's going to be more difficult. There are those who are being set up by the devil to bring accusations, false accusations against the church, against ministers. And we're going to have to settle within ourselves how we're going to respond when these things come along. And there's something else that I think that we need to focus on in these last days. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends the 70 out in pairs of two to cities he hasn't been to yet. And he tells them to preach the gospel of the kingdom, which can be identified by as preaching that God wants his will done on the earth just like it is in heaven. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, if you look at, back at the, the preceding verses, he didn't tell them a word, didn't say a word to them about casting out devils or taking authority over the devil in any way whatsoever. But apparently they've seen, they've been in his ministry and acquaintances with the ministry of God through Jesus enough to know that Jesus took authority over evil spirits and cast them out and the 70 followed his example even though he didn't tell them about this part specifically But they have found in their, tra their travels 
that the devils were subject to us through the name of Jesus. And he said unto them, I behold, uh, beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power. This word power is really the word authority. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. This word power means ability of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Folks, I think one of the most important things we can apply ourselves to is the authority that we've been given to operate here in this earth and authority over the power or ability of the enemy. So living in the last days means being a doer of the word where finances are concerned. Doers of the word where keeping the commandment, the new commandment of love is concerned. And thirdly, to use the name of Jesus in maintaining that place of authority in our lives. We need to build into ourselves the truth of who we are and who the devil is or who the devil is not and the authority that we have and that we are given to use to release people from the power of the devil. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Folks, if you're walking in love, if you've committed yourself to God's plan and purpose where your finances are concerned and you're utilizing the name of Jesus to exercise authority over the devil. That'll put you over in life no matter what's going on around you. That'll lead you into a place of blessing and victory regardless of what the devil is doing and regardless of the attack that the body of Christ is made subject to. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There are those that we're going to have to separate 
fellowship with if we're going to be doers of the word. I believe one of the last day events is that people's motives and intents will be made clear. We'll be able to easily see and determine whether somebody is on God's side as opposed to people that are trying to destroy churches and draw attention to themselves. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, 1 Timothy chapter 4, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This phrase, speaking lies and hypocrisy, that's when somebody blames somebody else for doing what they are doing. It's one of the most frustrating things for me that's written in the list. You see a lot of it in the political realm. But it's just a tactic of the devil. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry. And commanding to abstain from meats. Which God has created to be received with thanksgiving. Of them which believe and know the truth. God created cows. God created cows to eat. And notice the, the and commanding to abstain from meat. The and commanding is in italics because the translators added it to help us to understand what's being said. But it reads, forbidding to marry, to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Cow production has been maligned as part of climate change. And just about everywhere you go now, you can find an impossible burger. <laughs> I think it's well named. 
because it's impossible to make those things taste good. God's got some important plans for the church. He's got some important plans for the church's influence to increase, to bring about the precious fruit of the earth. Now, how is a broken down church going to reach the world? Well, not very well. Because if a broken down church was going to reach the world, we'd see the world already reached. But by putting the word of God into practice, Jesus said again in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, he said. He said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. So if we master the instruction that the word of God is giving us, to walk in love. I believe that that will set forth a display of God's power that will reveal to the world the very character, the true nature and character of God and put us in a position of being used by God to bring forth the precious fruit of the earth. You know, there's a lot of things that people say and have said that could be spoken against. to try to disprove what has been said or what is being said. But the simple truth is, usually, it's more effective to just go about your business and let God defend you than to try to defend yourself. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the characteristics of love, the love of God, is it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That means it doesn't try to defend itself. It means that in most situations, it's more profitable 
for the kingdom of God. To let God defend you. Because he can do a better job of it than you can do even defending yourself. I don't, I'm not exactly sure what or how it happened, but this past week, I've developed a greater sense of excitement about the last days than I've ever had. Now, it came on the heels. of a greater attack than I've ever experienced. But if you just stand on the word and confess the word of God to be true for you and in your own life, then eventually, often not as quick as we'd like, but eventually the devil will leave you for a season at the very least, for a season. And on the tail end of that, in Jesus' case, the angels came and ministered to him. Well, for me, it wasn't the angels, at least that I was aware of. But there was a supernatural strengthening about God's plan for his people in these last days that I've ever seen before or witnessed before. We need to rely on the Holy Ghost to be our helper. I encourage you to pray at the beginning of every day and ask the Holy Ghost to help you. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost, Jesus said he would bring things to your remembrance, but he also said he'd bring all things to your remembrance. So I began praying that the Holy Ghost would give me total recall. And it's coming. Step by step. This know also that on the last days, perilous times shall come. These strength reducing times will come. There's nothing we can do to pray them away or try to change what the Bible says will happen. But you don't have to participate in them. You can't stop the perilous times from coming. But you certainly do not have to participate or be affected by them any bit whatsoever. 
because Jesus said that you and I had been given authority over all the power or ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Well, by any means would include perilous times, wouldn't it? Blessed be the name of Jesus. What does the glorious church look like? Well, it's a church that's standing and founded on the word of God. It's a church that has access to the miracle working power of God. It's a church that is well settled, definitively settled, in the character and the nature of God and a willingness to follow his example of walking in love and being equipped to help those who are in need. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We magnify your holy name. We recognize the signs of the times that we're in. And Father, we desire more than anything in the world to be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding, our spiritual understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and that we would know the exceeding greatness of your power that works in us as believers. Holy Spirit, quicken us from within to remember the things that Jesus said to us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us total recall. Because we refuse to fear. Because you are our God. And we refuse to be dismayed or confused in these last days because you are with us. We trust you to strengthen us, to help us, and to uphold us with the right hand of your righteousness. Father, show us the things that we need to change or adjust to walk according to your holy will to be doers of the word of God and to bring forth great fruit. 
We love you, Father. And we trust in you. We refuse to let the light afflictions that we're experiencing to draw us away from your word or to make us doubt your care and affection for us. We love you, Father. Jesus, we thank you for carrying out the Father's plan of redemption. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for helping us and guiding us in every possible way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Say it with me. The Lord is good. good. And his mercy endures forever. forever. Aren't you glad it does? We love you, folks. Have a great day.